Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We do talk about songs, um, and I'm not just like a bird. My last name is a bird. I'm Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm here with my squictacular co-host, Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Well, I think a rockspin's a bird, right? At least <laughs> I think it could be. I could fly. Don't hold me down. It's a bird of prey. Uh, yeah. Mark- I like to eat dead things on the side of the road. Mark or Teddy, tell us what we're talking about today. We today are talking about a couple of songs by Nelly Furtado, although we're anchoring this conversation in her breakthrough debut single, I'm Like a Bird, which in 2000, 2001 was a big hit. And I just think that Nelly Furtado is such an interesting and exciting musician, and at least when it comes to her first three albums. And I just wanted to talk about her because I just think she's really created some wonderful music that deserves to be recognized and that I think uh, has a lot to explore. So that's why. (laughs) Well, I am not, I'm looking forward to being convinced. (laughs) I, you know, I kind of suspected that you would feel this way. I, the thing that's, the thing that's tricky about discussing an artist like Nelly Furtado is that you have to go deep into her albums to really hear some of the weirder, stuff that she does there's a lot of like portuguese island music influence portuguese influence island music influence there's a lot of like skittering weird phrasing and tempo stuff that i think is really exciting Uh, i I just think that she makes music that i kind of want to like get wrapped up in sonically um but obviously her most straightforward pop song is i'm like a bird and even that, I feel, still contains an element of what makes her so great. Well, many elements. For one, this is a song lyrically about saying to someone, you're so cute, I am definitely going to break your heart, but if you want to keep having sex, let's do it. Just be aware, I will eventually fly away. And the fact that she's so honest and so unperturbed about her own flightiness, to me, makes this song surprising and cool, and it has a great hook. So before we go any further, let's listen to a clip of I'm Like a Bird. Brings me to tears Even after all these years And it pains me so much to tell That you don't know me that way And though my love is great Though my love is Now, this song definitely has that polished uplift of a song like Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield, which is a fine song. But what I love about this song is what I was saying before, that lyrically, it's got this edge. And there's this 
there's this complicated thing going on between the natural instruments and the electronic instruments that I think also makes this song very sonically exciting. So that's how I feel about it. Sarah, what are your thoughts? I don't know if I would go with exciting, but it was a pleasure to return to this song, which seemed like it had never left, honestly, which is, Mm -hmm. I I think, a good thing in this case. Um, The chorus, I feel like this is a common topic for pop music namely we're going to end up hurting each other in some way but you know the d is good let's let's write it <laughs> yes yes so you know that like don't tie me down is one of rock's seven stories i would say a uh, different drum by linda ronstadt immediately mm-hmm. comes to mind um love the one you're with like there's there's many variations um but it is, I think, more customary to render it with uh, agita or this like performative regret in advance for what is about to happen. And that is not as present here in the clip that you just pulled, uh, that you pulled, that we just heard. It's the sort of closest that she comes to being more somberly reflective on the fate of this non-relationship but the rest of it is fairly straight ahead and sanguine about it that it's like look this happens like we're we're having this moment you you feel one kind of way about it i'm here to tell you that that's not a you know that's not the correct assessment of the situation (laughs) take your clothes off and then the in the video like she's just dressed head to toe out of the delius catalog basically with like those chunky (laughs) boots and (laughs) like all that's missing layers all that's missing is a daisy headband yeah like like uh, like thing just above you and you know she looks great she's having fun she has a 22 on her shirt that's my lucky number good for her um and there's there's just something about this song that's like it it it's not pretending that the fact that they're not on the same page about what the sex is going to turn into is a tragedy. Right. It just is. And then she looks like like the background of this video has been like color sweetened so she looks like she's in a Keebler commercial. <laughs> like everything is very um happy and mellow in this in this world. So I I liked that and it was something that I think I think that's like a bigger ask for a woman in a pop song than it is for a man because there is this expectation that a man is just going to be like nah when when it comes time to put a ring on it whereas for a woman to be this way is a little more um like dangerous seeming. Yeah. And she walks that line between like, she doesn't take, she doesn't take all the sex out of it or act like she has no agency in the situation, but she's also not like, you know, well, let's like be super sad about how someone's going to be crying at the end of this. And she's just like, no, like, no, this is what it is. So I like that about the song. And the song itself, musically, is um, just very appealing still and is yeah. doing a lot more than you remember it doing. 
And it is, it is, it's appealing. There's a great internet video of corgis going down a water slide at a pool. <laughs> and when they come out of the water slide in slow-mo flying through the air, <laughs> I'm like a bird is playing. So and cute. it's just like, yes, this is a song that can soundtrack a corgi flying off a water slide. That's yeah. exactly right. Um, I also wonder if you are familiar with or how familiar you are with the movie Wet Hot American Summer. Um, extremely. I own it. So, you know, so this is making me think, this conversation that we're having about that scene near the end when uh, Michael Showalter's character is like, but I love you. And she's like, well, look, I'm 21. Paul Rudd is really, really hot. I'm not, I'm not going to get tied down with you. I'm going to go fuck Paul Rudd. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> and I'm like, that's kind of this song. <laughs> yeah because i mean who, who among us etc yeah. i want to tell you if right now paul rudd was like hey i'd be like okay that's all you have to say <laughs> one time i interviewed him on the phone for a story i was writing and i was so distracted by how beautiful i know he is and that he was talking to me that it was all i could do to not just doodle the phrase mr mark rudd all over <laughs> my notepad <laughs> Oh. Anywho, so I also wanted to uh, bring up, though, in conjunction with I'm Like a Bird, the very next single that was released from her debut album, Whoa Nelly, which also, Whoa Nelly is such I a love great that. name for your debut album. Way to lean into it. Uh, so she wrote I'm Like a Bird and Turn Off the Light by herself. She's the only credited writer. So she is an artist who, with her very first album, was thinking of songs like I'm Like a Bird, but then also thinking of songs that are much they're they're accessible, but they're not nearly as uh, immediately familiar sounding as I'm Like a Bird. Uh, that is a convoluted way of saying I have always thought that Turn Off the Light, which was an even bigger hit on the charts, doesn't really sound like other things. It is obviously inspired by other pop music, but like it just has this distinct blend of hip-hop and folk that I find really appealing. And this is a, a clip of the bridge of the song. I didn't even clip the chorus, which is, you know, the girl, you know, she has so tough, tough, tough. Like, that's a really awesome part. But I just love this part of the song. I just think there's alchemy at work here in this one, Sarah. That she's got that Nena Cherry laid back flow in the semi-wrapped bridge. Then she gets out of the way for a lengthy guitar solo with beeps and bops underneath. And then she comes back with this really cool sort of power note bri- uh, uh, fade at the end of the song. Like I just, I just 
think this song is so special because she sounds so confident and she is able to move through so many different vocal personalities so easily and she doesn't call any attention to it she just does it 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 feels like she's hardly even trying and she's just tossing off this fucking great groove and that's how i feel about turn off the light (laughs) um i agree with you that it doesn't sound like she's trying but this is sort of my issue with the song um, she has a wonderful instrument that I don't think is challenged all that much by what she's doing. Mm. Um, it, you know, it's possible that I like don't know enough about her or I'm listening to it wrong or whatever, but this just sounds like wallpaper to me. Mm. I don't connect with it really at all. I don't dislike it. I'm not angry at it. I was not checking the time to see how much more of it was left. But I don't need to hear it again either. I was Mm. kind of like waiting for it to be over so that I could listen to Rihanna or Cardi B instead because I was getting like um, foreshadowing of them from the song. But this just felt... um, content to not push itself all the way to its best self this song um i Hmm. totally hear what you're saying i just am not getting any excitement from it at all that is fascinating because i can remember being this is like it credits on dawson's creek from some season i didn't watch (laughs) honestly (laughs) that is fascinating because i can remember being a senior in college in my dorm room uh, and hearing the song for the first time and being blown away. I have always found the song so exciting. That's fascinating that we have this completely opposite Yeah, because I think, like, I hear you talk about it, and I'm like, all of those elements are present. Uh, like, you're you're not incorrect on the facts of what is here. But then I'm kind of like, huh, next. <laughs> and you're totally, like, this I, is cool. Let's talk about it more. And I'm like, I have nothing <laughs> else to say about it. Do you want to do you want to deconstruct what she does with the rhythmic uh, pattern of the chorus? No, just like, me. No, okay. I'll listen to you do it. That's fine. <laughs> I am, um, which well, I happily I th- will. I because this is what I was saying at the beginning of the episode. Like, I, th- you know, you didn't ask us to listen to these songs for no reason. It wasn't like an experiment. You have yeah. things to say, and I'm like, well, I want to know what those things are because I have. I have so little. To, I have so little well, to say. I feel a little bad, but hey, listen, it happens. I'm learning um, things. I feel like that. Um, I don't know what you would think of her deeper cuts, then. But if you are listening to this episode, listener, and you are intrigued by or happy to remember these Nelly Furtado songs, definitely dig into her first two albums, Whoa Nelly and Folklore, because she keeps pushing what I think is this really exciting combination of folk, hip hop. Um, and and R&B, and she finds ways of making these weird sounds, like things that, to my mind, don't mash up easily. She makes mash up perfectly. Um, she also, in some of her songs, just will sing whole sections of them in Portuguese, just like, here's some Portuguese. And she doesn't do it in a showy way. She's not like... It, there, there, there's just, it just seems like when she was writing it, the only way that she could think to express the things she was trying to say in that moment was in Portuguese. Right. And... Um, there's just I, I find the the sonic landscape that she creates so refreshing, and I find her persona as a performer so appealing because she doesn't seem to give a fuck if I like it or not. 
Um, she is but definitely I can like see, having yeah. fun and feels confident in it. And that is appealing. Like she as a brand is like a net positive, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because she's just like, eh, and then she has some weird hairdo and I don't know, like she's just doing her thing, which I think is cool. But the the result is like, it, it's not, I don't want to say that it's boring. I'm just not, it sort of like glides over me and is pleasant and then is gone. I totally get it. Like, it's just not hooking you. What yeah. can you do? Well, well then I, yeah, oh, let's sorry. move on to the third one then, because I'm interested I'm interested to hear, I had like some specific sort of structural problems with this one that I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. Y'all, Soikis Paynut called Sarah to say that this week only, he's going to make special playlists for new patrons of Mastis and for existing patrons who increase their pledge by any whole dollar amount. But uh, I'll let Soikis explain it to you. Here's what happened when he called Sarah. I understand it involves selecting particular pieces of music, commensurate or complementary with the interests of the friend and supporter of Mias. Is that correct? That is correct. Between April 27th at noon Eastern and April 30th at noon Eastern, if you join us on Patreon or you increase your level of support, you will receive a three-song play note on the theme of your choosing. Hair Pay Nude, thank you so much for um, answering your Victrola this afternoon and for rising to this occasion. We always appreciate talking to you and hearing your thoughts. It is my great pleasure, um, Senora Bunting, and um, it will be even more so to um, play new, play on for the play new tears. And just a quick addendum for our current Patreon supporters who want to get their ear mitts on that Soikis Paynute playlist, the Paynute. You do not have to increase your monthly donation an entire new level or formal level on our Patreon page. You can just increase it any whole dollar amount. Thank you so much for your support at any donation level. And now back to our episode. Yeah, so obviously Nelly Furtado's biggest hit, I say obviously, but it's true, is a song called Promiscuous that she uh, created for her third album, Loose. And that is a song that she performs with Timbaland, who was the producer of most of the tracks on the album Loose. And Promiscuous is very much in the pocket of what Timbaland was doing at that time, those stuttering beats and those big, loud choruses, and it's a dope-ass hit. But then the second number one single from the album Loose is a song called Say It Right, which I find to be a miracle. The fact that a song as bizarrely structured, as you just said, Sarah, like as Say It Right, reached number one, I, I can still barely wrap my mind around it. The song has a verse-chorus structure for the first two-thirds, and then it just sort of meanders through a sonic landscape and some and some sounds and Timbaland going hey and Nelly Furtado being like hey and talking about God and I don't even know and there's this there's this really crazy ambiguity to the lyrics where I don't really know what the song is about I mean it's kind of like maybe about speaking your truth but I read an interview with Nelly Furtado where she acknowledges even she doesn't really know what the song's about it just is what came to them one night 
But I think at the end of the day, while I have often found songs like that exhausting, there's something so seductive about this song to me. It, uh, it's like mysterious. It's alluring. It is. It feels like a mystery that I want to be a part of. There's just something that makes me feel like I am walking through uh, a pre-dawn street. Like the light is just coming up and everything feels a little cold and everything has a slight tint of white on it as the sun starts to rise, but you're not quite in the light yet. I, I feel like this is just, it's, it's a song that makes me feel like I'm being washed in that mystery and it feels rich and exciting to me and I want to go deeper into it. It's also helped by the fact that the chorus is really catchy and sticky. So even if you don't know what it's about, what you do know is that chorus is great. So I just think that this is a bold, eccentric song, and I cannot believe it reached number one in this country, but it did. Here's a clip. I can't even really explain it, Sarah, in rational terms, but this song has just really burrowed deep into me. I feel it like in my body. I I love it so much. I am very happy for you. um, (laughs) More for me. Are seeing, yeah, more for you. Where you see mystery, I see um, just muddle. Um, Hmm. I'm not seeing intent with the opacity, it's just a mess. Um, I, and the tempo is maddening to me. Like structurally, it's like, this needs to be slower or faster, but where it is right now is like, uh, it's like sitting in aural traffic that it's like someone move in some direction, please. Um, (laughs) it's just not, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel felt to me particularly uh, like again i don't what i don't know is a lot like i also am shocked that this was number 1 because it it just kind of is like not intriguing to me i i get it like the the chorus has there is some interest there in that chorus and this um like 80s sort of callback feeling that it has like this seems like something that would have been playing in a club scene on Miami Vice in some ways, and totally that yes, a, that is not an insult. Um, that you're I, so right. I think that there's like you know that she's like, what if all of this stuff together, and like then she just does it, which I respect that, and I think that you are the audience for that, and I'm sort of like, yeah. 
no, like no, <laughs> no pineapple chickpea teeny for me. I'm, I'm going to head out. So yeah, this is really interesting because it's, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that she's not doing anything. It's just not for me. She's like the David Lynch, I guess, of this podcast that I'm like, I'm glad you exist. I'm not going to consume it because it, <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not telling you that you need to stop making it. No, I wish I were into David Lynch. People who talk about <laughs> David Lynch with like this reverence and they're like, and then this moment in um, this movie or like Blue Velvet and then it calls out to Twin Peaks and I'm like, that must be really fun to be, <laughs> um, to like hear this story as it's meant to be heard and feel like it's your own. But that's not always in the experience that you have with a piece of art. And I am thrilled for you and for Nelly. And that's kind of where it is. <laughs> totally. And, you know, I think, again, that's one of the reasons I love this show because. I think it's actually really interesting to learn that this, for whatever reason, is just not hooking into you. And it makes me then have to think even more about my own aesthetic and what is it about this that works for me? And I don't know, like I said a second ago, that I will ever have a completely articulated reason, but I do think it has something to do with I am just drawn to whatever the like rolling syncopation is and a lot of her lyric delivery I, I there's just like something about her whole like the way that she approaches storytelling through her voice just really clicks for me but i also totally get that if i were one click to the left i might have the same this is wallpaper reaction that you're having like it makes complete sense to me because you could also hold up a lot of songs that were that were popular that kind of sound like this that are just in the background at all times. I think yeah. honestly Natasha Bedingfield is a pretty good example. Like I like her songs well enough, but Pocket Full of Sunshine, it's a good song, but I don't feel spiritually drawn to it the way I do to Nelly Furtado songs. Or like the the Cardigans, I guess. Yeah. Is so, sort of from the same time that it's like My Favorite I, Game is a great example of a very similar song. Yeah. That Cardigan song. But there are, and I wonder if some of it is not like, you know, I feel like you have spent time with Nelly Furtado and I haven't really, with the exception of the first song we listened to, that it's like, uh, okay, uh, that might be, that might be one reason that it's like, I haven't really spent enough time with this to... um be hearing it in a lived in way. And I think that right. does make a difference. And it's something that we talk about all the time when it's like, we're talking about like some whatever number nine hit from the seventies that it's like, <laughs> you know, it's not that it's good. It's that it's mine. Like exactly. Like the song sailing is like, I should hate that song. It literally was every single place you went for a year. And it's pretty schmaltzy and you know yacht rocky like it literally is yacht rock it's called it's sailing. about a yacht <laughs> but those like those opening strings it's just like i am physically transported to lake damaroscotta maine in the summer of 1980 and it's like okay you know that that makes a difference so maybe if i had been 
maybe if I had sort of been hand in hand with Nelly Furtado for the last however long, I would feel differently about these songs. But as it is, they're just kind of like sitting on the surface of my brain and not dropping it. Oh my God. Okay. Two things. One, I hate the song sailing. I actually feel, (laughs) I feel anger about the song sailing. I feel like it is actually an act of violence upon me. So it's a perfect example moving in the other direction. So not talking about that one? No, yes, we can. Oh, I'm ready to talk about Christopher Cross at any time because that song, Think of Laura, I have actually different feelings about. And then Arthur's theme? Come on. Yeah, there's a lot to say. Yeah. Um, And I will ride like the wind towards that episode because I think it would be really fun. So (laughs) put a pin in that. That song's pretty awesome, too. Like, who are these bandits that you're imagining in your your soft tones? You live in Reseda. Settle down. (laughs) But anyway, um, you're so right, too, about the moment that I started carrying Nelly Furtado with me. I like the way you phrased that, because the way that I discovered her music was because in 2001 or late 2000, whenever her first album came out, I was still a subscriber to Entertainment Weekly. And this was way, way back when Entertainment Weekly was a really good, substantive magazine. That and told you what to do. Yes. And, and the album, And the reviews were lengthy. And they were in. They were written by people who were passionate and clearly knew what they were talking about. And they, like you just said, Entertainment Weekly shows up, and you're like, "Yes, whatever you say, I'm probably going to be respectful of." I can remember Sarah that I had friends. They all lived in a house together, but they only got one Entertainment Weekly subscription, and they would be this race to see who could spirit the magazine away to their bedroom first. And one time, this guy Clay, they. They were, we were all in the house. I was visiting, and we saw Clay standing at the mailbox, and he had been out to get the mail like 20 minutes ago, and we realized, he's reading Entertainment Weekly at the mailbox! That's a violation of the rules! So we all <laughs> ran out there. <laughs> like, that is the level to which I used to hold Entertainment Weekly in my He's like taking regard. pictures of each page with a, with a <laughs> disposable camera. Yes. You're like... With this one of those problem. cameras, disposable cameras you could take under the water, uh, a big plastic <laughs> shell around He's it. doing it in the shower. <laughs> Amazing. But like that is the level of which I used at which I used to respect EW. And I mean, I'm sure you at least you just said like you used to read that magazine too. I still, still have their t- new TV season issues. Yes. Like all of them. Because also like the magazine We needed them. They told us how to run our website. Yeah, exactly. And there was such substance in what they would say. And then there was Mullen, Jim Mullen. Oh, whatever. God. Fucking I remember Mullen Dash on Mullen uh, Dash. Fame Tracker. Yeah. So anyway, the point being, the, the review of Woe Nelly was the lead music review in an issue of Entertainment Weekly. And it was really unusual for a debut album to get that much coverage. And it got an A-. And I remember thinking, shit, they gave this album two pages in this magazine? I mean, wow. think about now, a print magazine giving a two-page review to a Nelly, to a new artist's album. It never happened. So I just remember thinking, wow, I should pay attention to this. And then when I heard I'm Like a Bird, I was like, fuck. So then I went and got the CD, and I was like, oh, fuck. So it did feel like something I had been let in on mm-hmm. that I got to discover on my own. And then when I got to see I'm Like a Bird become a big hit a few weeks later, followed by the next hit song, Turn Off the Light, I felt like, right, I was there at the start. So I have very strong feelings for that. And I also remember so clearly on the old Fame Tracker forums, before you and I even knew each other, I started a thread on the Fame Tracker forum to talk about Nelly Furtado, but no one knew who she was yet. And so it got no posts. Oh. And I just remember being sad because I used to sometimes create Fame Tracker forum uh, threads that would make it to the to the homepage 
a fame tracker. And I was always like, oh, shit. I mean, now it's funny because it's like it was Tara. And it's like, it's Tara. Thanks, girl. But at the time, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I had one that was called Mother May I Sleep With Danger, the TV movie thread. It was so popular. It made it to the homepage. I felt very awesome. Anyway, no one talked about the Nelly Furtado thread. So that made me her even closer to my heart. So you're right. There's a lot of personal stuff connected in my love of this music. Well, this is this is how I discovered Amy Mann was their review of I'm With Stupid. Yeah. And uh, so there is something about being like, all right, I don't like the, I'm going to take a flyer on this. And like you had to physically take your ass to a store and buy a physical piece of music. So there was something about that risk paying off like now like you have Apple Music and you're like, yeah, I'll try this whole Jonas Brothers album. That risk paid off, but the risk was so much lower. Like I yes. didn't have to put on shoes. I didn't have to handle cash. Nothing like nothing happened. I was like, let's try it. And then if it doesn't work out, you just Delete. don't listen to it anymore. Well, you know, that's a perfect I was thinking about this just yesterday because as we're recording this, this is the day after Fiona album's new album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, was released. Obviously, I listened to this album and it's amazing. But I was kind of sad that I couldn't that I could get it so easily because it's the kind of album I would have make a, made a pilgrimage to go buy. Mm-hmm. Like I tie a bandana have, on, glove up, go to yes. Terror Records. Let's do this. And yeah. like the, you know, like albums where you like set aside time in the day to go buy it, and then you set aside time in the day to hear it, and the ritual of taking the plastic off mm-hmm. and opening it and like looking at the CD booklet. Oh my god, I used to love that shit. Um, as I know we've talked about many times, I went to the midnight release at Tower Records of the Ray of Light album. It was just you know, it's like shit like that. Anyway, but you're right that now... It, so at the time, when I was like, I'm going to go spend $14.99 or whatever it was on this Woe Nelly album, when I was a student whose only money was coming from being an RA, please, that was actually a real investment. And I was yeah. so happy that I'd made it. Yeah. Well, I'm happy you did it too. And I'm happy that it continues to bring you joy. And um, I'm happy for Nelly. I hope she's invested wisely. And I'm happy for old issues of Entertainment Weekly. Yes. <laughs> I might have to go back into my archives and dig up some of those, including like I kept the post-it on the West Wing page that basically said, fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a lot we didn't know. We were like birds. Yeah. yeah. Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting. And it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.